Normally we uh, message each other to say, are you ready? But I'm just going to, I'm just going to call them. It's time. I mean, it's nine o'clock. It's, as they say in the business, showtime. <laughs> it's really hard to say that to myself or to anyone with a straight face. Hello. This is a podcast in which two friends talk about the pleasures, absurdities, and imperfections of being human. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. I was sitting here being all ready and prepared. And what were you what have you been recording? Uh, the silence of me reading about Chet, Chet Hanks, the son of Tom Hanks. What is there to know about the son of Tom Hanks? Well, he has two sons. He might have more, but he's got two that are in the public eye. There's Colin Hanks, who is considered to be um, an all-round good guy. And then there is Chet Hanks, who is considered to be a little bit of a massive douchebag. Um, it seems as though they is douche are... rag. Just wait, is is douche rag? Is that is there a redundancy in there? I think a douche rag is for drying up the dribbles of your douching process. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's an insult. So I okay. don't think it needs to be like many things. It doesn't really need to actually have. Okay. Anyway, it would appear that Chet and Colin are. Uh, they're a long-form experiment in normative determinism. Normative determinism. Normative. Normative determinism. What, what is normative? Somebody, well, that people living up to their names. Oh, of course it is. You call somebody Colin, they turn out to be a Colin. You call somebody Chet, they turn out to be a Chet. But they've both got the same surname, which has some has some cachet, has some weight. Yeah, it has. Yeah, but I think there's been there's been. That stuff said about why is Colin such a nice guy and why is Chet such a ding dong? So are you? Um, this That's is, what I was this doing. Is not for was research. This is not. Uh, this is not no, this, academic work. This was. <laughs> no, this was just the first thing that my eyes fell on. Should um, I turn the video? Do you mind if I turn the video off? I would be grateful. Hey, uh, wait, wait. Have you finished your job? No. You've got one more week. <laughs> I've got one more week. But your marking's done. No, that's the problem. My one more week is almost exclusively marking. So let's just move on. What have you been doing this week, Simon? (sighs) Oh, that was a big sigh. Yeah, well, partly because I've been thinking about our introduction to midlifing. Um, But that's not what I've been doing this week. What I've been doing this week is getting quotes for, uh, for moving. Oh, right, yes. It's expensive, isn't it? Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had uh, because I, we moved more or less the same amount of stuff, maybe a bit more, but not really. Uh, from Harrow to uh, to here in Barnes in two thousand and nine, mm. and uh, it cost four hundred and forty pounds. How many thousands have you been quoted so far? So almost two and a half, just over two, two, between two and two and a half. Yeah. And then I thought I'd go with man with a van, and um, interesting. Interesting uh, that you can um, get three men with a van. Uh huh. Four? How much? And, uh, less than half. Wow. That seems that seems like um, 
It seems like a bargain. Well, also because it's not like we've got a whole lot of antique furniture that needs serious looking after. or Like there's nothing really like, I mean, what could possibly go wrong? I mean, they could shatter all the glassware that we have, all four wine glasses, mm-hmm. you know. And given that the <laughs> given that the um, the uh, the contract that uh, Will and I have, um, I don't mean the marriage one. I mean the um, uh, the I'll pack up the house if you pay for the move- removalists yes. uh, <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, we're both thinking that uh, men with a van sounds better. Right. Cool. You both have quite a lot of stuff in your house, don't you? Would you Would you say that's a fair comment? I would say. That we are not minimalists. Okay. I would say that objects are a thing. Yes. Yes. And so does that, how would you go about if, if you, if you, you know, because I assume one day it's going to happen where you decide that um, you're going to pack up and move permanently to, um, to Portugal. Mm. Yeah. Um, how, how, how would you do that? Hmm. I suspect we would do it ourselves um, because we always have done. It's all. It, well, it's it's an opportunity to do the Swedish death clean thing, isn't it? Sure is. You you hold things and you kind of as you're wrapping them, and also as you're thinking about the number of boxes that you have, you uh, invite yourself to go. Do I want to give this box room? As mm. opposed to the things that sort of I I I often think about our house a bit like the shore. Things wash up here. <laughs> And some of those things, it's actually, that's not fair. Because if you haven't been to my house, faithful or unfaithful listeners, you might be imagining that I live in a cluttered palace of junk. I don't. Yeah, it's it's definitely not that. But it's busy, though. But it is deeply curated. Yes, the I'm thinking of the kitchen in particular and the things on the, you know, on the sort of shelf. On the mantelpiece above the, the fireplace. On the man- mm-hmm. Yes, Which exactly. Which is a, 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 no longer a fireplace. It's where the kitchen table lives. Yeah, that is that is heavily curated, although it is one of the places that Bob and I are about to streamline. Are you? Mm, we were talking about this while we were... Okay, so we were... Sitting on our sofa in Lisbon, having done a little um, declutter of the flat in Lisbon, or as we like to say, we had been editing. Yes. But our flat in Lisbon is really quite minimal. We we keep things very pared back there. There's not a lot of stuff. It, it is a, a one in, two out policy. Is it really? You, yeah. Is that actually a, that's actually a policy? Something comes in, two things have got to go. It's partly because the space is at a premium. It's a flat in a capital city, so we, we don't have a lot of floor space. space. Yeah. But just to, can I, how does that work in practice? Meaning if someone, if you, one of you brings home an armchair, do you just get rid of two little things or do they have to be two things that are similar kind of footprint or size? Uh, we would get rid of the armchair that was there, but we would then also kind of go, what about the cushions that were on it? Right. You know, so it, it becomes the, the, the gravitational pull around the object that leaves takes something else with it. So yeah, as you it's say, It's a very good policy. I like that policy. I'd probably want to go one and four out, though, I think. Yeah. If it were. <laughs> I think if you were to see our place in Lisbon, you, you'd, you'd absolutely recognise it being a Bob and Lee place. Yeah. But you would also go, oh, this is a much lighter version of Bob and Lee. Do you prefer it to the heavier version of Bob and Lee? No, it's not about preferring. It's about, 
You know, the other week we were talking about the idea that we could hold two different perspectives in our heads at the same time. And, and like within one sentence, we can go from one side of the coin to the other side of the coin. And, and the problem about being in the world is that we tend to think of ourselves as binary. It's, it's, that is Walt Whitman, isn't it? Do I contradict myself? Very well, I contradict myself. Yeah. <laughs> Dead Americans. Isn't that a David Bowie song? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, which reminds me, I really want to watch um, the Gimme Shelter documentary about the Rolling Stones. Oh, I was thinking about, have you watched the Beatles one? I haven't watched that yet. And, I'm, and it's, I know you don't like the Beatles, but uh, no, that's not why... it's very good in terms of um, yeah, about I, processes. I hear that. No, I want to watch this because it's about the Ultimate Speedway concert that went horribly wrong. And I read a review of the book called Ultimate, and I wanted to read the book, but I also wanted to see the film first. Mm. Which are two totally separate uh, entities, because I think the Ultimate book gives a, a much more detailed account of what went wrong. Right. Whereas the... the is it uh, out? Is Gimme Shelter out? Oh, it's been out for years and years and years and years. It was oh, made right, by okay. the, it's made by the documentarians who made the film Grey Gardens. Right. Do you know that? Grey Gardens. Grey Gardens. Which is no. kind of in keeping to the conversation that we're having. It's about two of... Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis's relatives. I think it might have been her cousins. Yeah. And they lived in this big crumbling pile called Grey Gardens. Um and it in was, the US. In the US, yes. It was I think somewhere I'm gonna go somewhere in New Coast. England. Yeah. yeah. Um and I think it was it was a mother and uh and daughter. They've become kind of a cult uh it's a cult film and then it was turned into a, a kind of a, a dramatized version of the film and i think jessica lang and drew barrymore starred in it little Edie, oh. yeah so anyway it's the same it's the same documentary people and i'm trying to remember, i think they're called the mazels i think they're called the mazels the guys who who made the the documentary so they're so it's, by the way it's a 1975 american docu- documentary film by albert and david mazels there we go yeah it's the everyday lives of two reclusive upper class women blah blah blah, blah. Yeah, Little Edie. East is it? Are they called it Little Edie? Edith. Edith uh-huh. Beale. There we go. And both named yeah. Edith Beale. And Little Edie is the one. This and she's become Little Edie has become this um, kind of icon, cult camp icon, because of how she spoke. Because she spoke in that very kind of Catherine Hepburn mannered way. You're right. Bob and I don't live in a version of Grey Gardens. It's it's not. <laughs> it's not that. But yeah, so I don't like our slimmed down house more than i like our uh, yes. maximized house they're just totally different places but i was thinking this morning possibly i was thinking about about this because of your imminent move what's your relationship to furniture yeah i mean i well i do have a question for you of course which i'm not going to ask i'm going to ask now but you can answer later which is if you had to squish your two places into one how would that work but anyway um furniture so well just to preface the question this week i uh i think i tore up i think about 400 photographs and cut through all the negatives of those photographs wow yeah and that was um that was fantastic it was fantastic fun it really was just this thinking what are these in my life these photographs 
and mostly these were photographs from analog days because yeah. di digital days they're on hard drive somewhere mm -hmm. um and i reckon there were about eight of those just roll after roll of film of films of negatives and prints uh that i um decided to keep and there were two or three that i couldn't throw away meaning I felt like I don't have any need for them, but it just didn't seem right. Okay. I mean, I'll give you an example is that there are, I have three or four photographs of my father uh, taken, I don't, we don't know who, by someone in our family after he died in, in the bed, and I couldn't, um, I couldn't tear them up. <laughs> I mean, obviously, maybe, but... Um, oh, taking... Okay, that opens a whole different doorway of taking pictures of people after they've died. Yeah, yeah. I thought deeply about it um, with with after Mum died, and I it just didn't seem right. And also, partly my relationship to photography has changed so much since yeah. uh, since those days. Mm. I haven't answered your question about furniture, of course. No, I know, but I think maybe taking pictures of dead people is more interesting than do you like furniture? <laughs> <laughs> Do, do you? I don't know. Maybe. Do you have? Well, it depends what furniture it is and who the dead people yeah. are. But do yeah. you have an instinct as to why somebody would do that? Well, they're beautiful photographs, and I'm I'm glad they exist in the world. Um, which is not answering your question. I don't know, Lee. Because hmm, there's it, a... it definitely wasn't me. No. Okay. I, I, I thought about that, and I thought maybe it was me. You know, I, but I'm. I'm pretty sure it wasn't me. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't mum. I th always thought it was mum that did it. So it's, it's a pretty narrow, you know, there's only three other possibilities. Yeah. Three? Yeah. Four, uh, three other possibilities, yeah. Because I, I do understand the idea of, I understand the idea of documenting death. I, I, I get that. And, and there's a, a really famous picture by uh, the war photographer, or she was many things, but she was also a war photographer, Lee Miller. No relation, mm. um, and it's of a it's of a, a, a German soldier who is um, in some water, um, just underneath mm. the surface of the water, and it is a truly arresting and beautiful image. But Lee Miller was an American who had lived and worked extensively in Europe. She was famous for having been in a relationship with Man Ray, although I don't want to limit her and turn her into only his muse because she was considerably more than that. But she took this photograph of this... She took many photographs, but she took this photograph that I'm thinking of, of this, of this dead German soldier. And I, I get what's happening there. There is a moment of, of trying to find peace and repose in the midst of something difficult there is a sense of in death he is more um more he becomes more universal than he does in life all those sorts of things um but also he's not related to her he's he's an object that she has found and is interested in um, that's a, a bit a bit um, crass to think of him as an object, but you know what I mean. He's he's a thing to place in front of her yeah, lens to tell a She's documenting story. an event. Yeah, yeah, and he is part of the he's part of the the machinations the of machinations that exactly. Yeah. But a relative, a close relative, a parent is none of those things, and that's the bit that I was just it's yeah just, stumbling. Yeah. Well, uh, 
Yeah, and I think uh, I imagine that most of our people, most people listening right now, are probably thinking a similar thing. Um, and I don't have an answer. Uh, I, I took some photos of Mum not long before she died, not of her face. I took them of her hands and the mm. way she was holding on to the rating of the bed and and a cross. She was holding on to a cross. And um, there was something about the kind of perseverance or the will of, of that grip that I was really um, shaken and moved by. But... Mm. Um, I don't. I don't know what else to say about it, but uh, except to repeat that I'm very glad that whoever it was in my family that took those photographs, I'm very happy they did that. Yeah, furniture. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, it feels like this is, that going to stuff is. Uh, it, it would be a crass course re-correction but at the same time but well it, it holds you know the things that we gather don't if they don't define us they at least frame us we also seek them out as as objects of um they fill emptiness to a certain extent as well don't they i mean mm. that's you know you might say crassly that's consumer capitalism which is the the emptiness of our lives filled by stuff or filled with stuff do you feel that that's the case People who live lightly, do you think they are somehow more enlightened than the people who live a cluttered <laughs> life? Well, no, I think. Well, not well, not necessarily at all. I don't mean that. Um, that's I, I, I was being a little crass with the with the thinking, but I, I think there is. I think there is a certain danger in you might say the lack of care I've taken in my life. I'll just say, I don't say we, I'd rather just speak about me because I don't want to make assumptions about other people, but that I could have taken a lot more care with the things I chose to buy and the things I chose not to buy. And I, and I still would say that. Mm. And in part, because I think it's, I think it's, there's incredible cultural pressure, incredible cultural pressure to, um, to consume. But I don't know the answer to your question is, uh, you know, we're pretty good at filling our lives with stuff, when I say human beings, um, and that those aren't necessarily material things. Um, uh, so I don't think the absence of stuff means, uh, 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 equates to more or close to enlightenment, if you understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm really glad that you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because... Well, it would be a pretty obnoxious thing to say. Well, it would be, but I think there are people who might hold that space. And yeah. because I think we, you know, stuff and judgment are so intimately connected, aren't they? I mean, when mm. Ikea was launched, what was it? It was, it was launched on the chuck out your chintz. It was, it was launched on the idea that the things that you had were too fussy and you need to be more pared back and Swedish and have, you know, streamlined. Was it really? I don't know. Yeah, that was the, I think that was the advertising campaign, chuck out your chintz. I don't even know what chintz is. Chintz is a kind of fabric. It's kind of a Victorian holdover. Um, right. It's that idea of like it's you know your grandma's couch, that kind of thing. Right. Um, one of our sofas. Oh, bang my headphones against the microphone as I was turning. We seem to have. This has been an absolutely absurd ramble. 
It has been an absolutely absurd ramble. I have no idea how on earth this is going to be turned into a conversation. Do you think it's possible that it might be turned into a conversation? Well, look, I, I hear tell that the guy who edits this is, is, a re- is the really, genius. He's rock solid. I mean, you know, he's a genius. Oh, I didn't finish telling you about the Twig and Berry's underpants. Oh, no. Which I, I hear think about the you might berries. enjoy. I think you might really like this. So they is, is are... Is that what they're called? No, I can't remember. There's different varieties, but they, they are... They are designed. They've got like um, um, like a. So you put them on, and there's a little pouch to put your balls in, and then above the pouch there's a little hole that you feed your dick through, and it keeps your dick and your balls separate so they don't sweat or rub against one another. Um, sorry, I've just found that there's an an underwear apparel shop called Twig and Barry. Is there? Yeah, and also Twig and Barry Tamer up in undies. There Home you go. Boxer briefs up so. So the, you you can you can keep your you can keep your balls and your cock separated. I mean that seems unfair because they spent such a long time hanging out with one another. I would want not want to uh, you know sequester them. There's also a blog called Twig and Berry. One man's better with choriocarcinoma and the Singapore sling. What's Choriocarcinoma is clearly some kind of cancer. Cancer. Stay tuned for post-chemo remission, remission revelations. What's choriocarcinoma? I have no idea, but I would, I would strongly suggest that people uh, stick into DuckDuckGo the words twig and berry underwear, and it's a feast. It's an absolute <laughs> feast. <laughs> it's, it's, ah, yeah, love it. Um. So can we... Uh, Stop recording we, now. <laughs> no, can we sort out that opening? I find that, I just find it so so annoying, the um, the introduction. What do you mean? Well, I just... You mean just your, so, your yeah, my part. Oh, I just think it just, it just sounds like a little bit like, I just because I think it's like, this, you know, it's more like for me, it's more like, this is a podcast, wait, this is a podcast... Uh, in which two friends. Yeah, this is a podcast in which two friends try and figure things out. Oh, so you want to re-record it? I mean, do you think that's better? Like, listen. Well, this is this is a podcast in which two friends ramble on about. Oh, you know. Well, I'm just trying to. Welcome to Midlifing, a podcast in which two friends talk shit, can't possibly stay on topic, and probably disappoint each other. I'm Simon Ellis, and I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. This is a podcast in which two friends try and well, they just they well, I don't know what do we do. We we do this. On, we get things we start all wrong. Topic, yeah, and yeah, then we yeah, get... yeah. I'm Lee Miller, and I'm Simon Ellis. Welcome to Midlifing. That's better, isn't it? <laughs> I, let's just do it. We'll just yeah. If this if that makes you happy, <laughs> I don't really mind. I don't really mind. Uh, if that would make you happy, Simon, consider it my early birthday present to you. August the 27th? No. Eighth? Third? No. Yes, well done. No. You're going to get there in the end. Oh, 27th. That's Victor's. But you're, see, I always forget with you. You're, I think of you as July. No. Oh, June. No. No, you're August as yes. well. August 5. No. 7. No. Fuck. 
No. Nine. <laughs> you're going in the wrong direction, but you are three. Staying... Yes. So you're staying I, in the right. Uh, I know it was a low digit odd chunk. number. Yes, a low digit odd number. <laughs> you are a low digit odd number. I am. I am. And you're a low hanging fruit. <laughs>